I Am The Law is brought to you by Blueprint LSAT Test Prep, which reports an average score increase of 15 points. With the first AI-powered QBank, fun videos, personalized study plans, and engaging 98th percentile instructors, Blueprint has helped thousands of students crush their LSAT goals. Learn more at BlueprintLSAT.com. From Law Hub, this is I Am The Law, a podcast where we talk with lawyers about their jobs to shed light on how they fit into the larger legal ecosystem. In this episode, Derek Tokaz interviews a former public defender who discusses life in criminal defense and her transition to legal journalism. Support comes from Seton Hall University School of Law in Newark, New Jersey where you can enroll full-time or in the weekend JD program. In the heart of New Jersey, with proximity to New York City, Seton Hall is dedicated to your outcomes, evidenced by high employment and bar passage rates. Its one-student-at-a-time approach supports you throughout your time in law school. Their flexible, hybrid, weekend JD program allows working professionals to balance work, family, and law school. Learn more at law.shu.edu. Support also comes from the University of Idaho College of Law, and its two locations. The Moscow location has all the resources of the university's main campus, neighboring a picturesque, charming college town. The Boise location is in the heart of downtown, just blocks from the seat of government. Either Idaho Law location provides an abundance of outdoor opportunities. As the only law school in the state, Idaho Law provides near-exclusive access to the courts, the legislature, and the rapidly developing business and nonprofit community. Today, I'm joined by Lori Lancetal. She's a graduate of the University of Georgia School of Law and is currently a journalist for North Carolina Lawyers Weekly. But before that, she was a public defender in Georgia. I'd like you to start by explaining for our listeners the basic of what a public defender is and their role in the criminal justice system. Well, a public defender represents people who cannot afford a lawyer in criminal cases. And their role in the justice system is to ensure that the criminal defendant gets a fair trial, gets justice, and gets the best representation possible. So I know that there's different types of public defenders depending on what state you're in and possibly where in the state you are. So there's, were you working as a full-time public defender or case by case? How how does that work? I was full-time. I was in three different offices in Georgia as a public defender, and each office I was full-time in. And so what does it mean to be a full-time public defender? So I know in the legal world, full-time is a pretty uh, wide spectrum. Right. It can be, you know, is it a 40-hour-per-week job or, you know, 80 hours a week? What's that like? I would say it varies. Um, You know, depending on what kind of trials or motions are coming up, it depends on what kind of workload you're going to have for that day or week. When it gets closer to trial, of course, you're pretty much working I would say with me, I'd be working 60 to 70 hours a week getting prepared for trial. But then there could be days when you don't even work a full eight hours when, you know, you didn't get any new cases, you have your caseload under control, which is rare, I do admit. But, you know, on average, it'd be over 40 hours a week that public defenders would work to be effective. You're you're working this full time. And I assume everyone else in the office had was also working full time. Is that how it's like across all of Georgia? So I know um, where I'm from in Alabama, some of the uh, the cases are handled by attorneys in another who have their own practice and pick up uh, public defense just on a case by case basis. We have some of that. It's called conflict cases. 
And if we, we cannot represent two defendants who are blaming each other, I couldn't ethically represent both of them because I'd have to say one said this did it, one said the other did it. So that would not be in our office. That would go to somebody who has their own practice. But this started in, I believe, 2003 or 2004, January 1st, 2004, Georgia went to a program called the Georgia Public Defender Standards Council where the state oversaw the whole public defender system and created public defenders where there used to be contract attorneys handling a lot of cases at once. They created a public defender's office. Yeah, I think that's something that people who want to get into this field need to keep in mind is how much the very structure of the, the system can change from you know, county to county or state to state. Right, definitely. So what's the average caseload like? About how many cases are you handling at a time? Well, that varies, but I think um, I can speak for a lot of public defenders, at least in Georgia. They tried to, I'll give you a little background first before I tell you, but they tried to come up with a system where they could train public defenders, they could have a law in place to keep their caseloads down, and it was supposed to have a certain amount of cases a year of felonies, a certain amount of misdemeanors, you couldn't go over it, but um, you, you always have more cases than they say you should under the law. So you really have too many cases and the typical caseload could vary between maybe 50 cases at a time to maybe 200 at a time, which is a lot of cases for one person to handle. If you think about it, you know, if you had 200 cases in a time, what happens if every one of those defendants wanted to go to trial? You couldn't effectively represent them and they have a right to decide. So they, you know, the choice to go to trial or not is up to the client or the defendant. You know, most of them go in wanting to trial and it's pretty much it's very um it's very it makes public defenders very anxious because you have so many that are saying I want to trial, I want to trial, I want to trial. You don't know where to turn your head next. So about how often do your cases go to trial? Out of, you know, if you have 200 cases, how many times are you going to have a full trial? Honestly, not very much. Usually the state's offer is worth it to take. Mm -hmm. Pressing charges, at least where I was, they're not going to press charges unless they got good evidence against you. And that's, you know, usually the state has good evidence. That's why they're taking you to court and um, pressing charges. So if they don't have good evidence, they probably would have dismissed the case. So usually the clients end up pleading out, which is what it's called, where they enter a guilty plea. And um, they accept the punishment that's either recommended by the state or given to them by the judge. If it's given to them by the judge, it would be called a blind plea. But um, I would say 99% of the time they plead out because they're getting too good of offers to plead guilty. But we want to move away from that. You know, public defenders want to move away from that. They do want to go to more trials. They do want to have more, um, be in the courtroom more. But it's just hard with so many cases. I liked, you know, I liked being in the courtroom when I was a public defender. I loved it. So, mm -hmm. And I think that's probably what most people are imagining when they want to get into that line of work. You know, this is, well, yeah. we make TV shows about people being in courtrooms and considerably less about taking guilty pleas. So it's not, you know, the romanticized view of legal practice. Right. There, there are a lot of public defenders who... Um, you know, who do, are in court a whole lot. I mean, you are in court as a public defender a whole lot. You know, most public defenders are in court a lot. It might not be at trial, but you have preliminary hearings, you have bail hearings, you have motions, you have plea day, you have all that plus trial. So you have sentencing. So there's, you know, there's a lot of um, ways to get in the courtroom. And I was in court a lot, but I wasn't at trial a lot. Okay. 
about how much was your time split between being in court in whatever capacity and being at your office doing research or preparing for trial? I'd say I was in court maybe 25% of the time, 20 to 25%. So you could say out of five day a week, one full day a week. So what are you doing when you're not in court? I would spend a lot of my time at the jail visiting clients because most of them are in jail because they can't afford to bond out. Um, I would spend a lot of time going out to the scene of crimes and looking at evidence and seeing what I can figure out for myself. I would be talking to the DAs about possible plea offers. I'd be talking to the DAs about their case. I would be, um, I would be writing motions. I would be writing bonds. I mean, it, it's never ending. So I want to hear a little bit more about going out to the scene of the crime and doing that investigative work. So okay. if you have a, a good anecdote about that or just you know, an example of what you would be looking for and what type of case that would happen in. I'll tell you one. This isn't about going to a crime scene, but this is a big one. I had a 16-year-old girl who was stuck in jail for make, using her aunt's phone card. And she's she's in jail and nobody told me she was in jail. I didn't find out till she'd been there a little bit. So I rushed down there to see her thinking there's this 16 year old. I get there. The 16 year old looks like she's about 13. She definitely doesn't belong there. She's in big person jail and she was homeless with nowhere to go. She had been abused her whole life. She didn't have anywhere to go when she got out. So, you know, I had to um, get her charges dismissed, find her a house that she could live in. And I took her some toiletry essentials to her new house that we had to find for her. I mean, it was just really sad. That's what public defenders do, though. If you want to help, I mean, it's never ending. It was sad. I, I, I still, I miss her. Support comes from Vermont Law and Graduate School. Vermont Law and Graduate School empowers students to dream big. It welcomes and shares passions for social justice, the environment, criminal justice reform, and so much more. At BLGS, realism and idealism collide. Together, students and faculty positively transform the world around them. From an accelerated two-year JD to an online hybrid JD, BLGS offers innovative programs where you can learn at your own pace. To learn more, please visit vermontlaw.edu. Support also comes from Albany Law School. Albany Law School is committed to increasing access to the legal profession. Albany Law's online FlexJD delivers all the benefits you'd expect from an institution that's been educating future lawyers and leaders since 1851. With one in-person session per year, you'll complete most of your work online, giving you the flexibility you need to earn your law degree when and where it works for you. To find out how you can begin your journey to earning a JD, Visit albanylaw.edu today. Support also comes from Baylor Law School, the smallest and oldest law school in Texas. Baylor Law has three entering classes, 15 tracks of study, strong bar passage and employment rates, robust scholarship offerings, numerous clinics and joint degree programs, and a focus on preparing excellent and ethical lawyers. Visit the Baylor Law website to learn more and to apply for free to the spring, summer, and or fall entering classes. I want to ask about what types of crimes you're usually dealing with. Is it largely drug offenses or, you know, what's the range of offenses? I did DUIs and drugs mostly. I was an inexperienced public defender. Even though I was there six years, it takes a long time to be able to try a capital case. I was pretty inexperienced. I did, um, I did do some serious, serious crimes at, towards the end of my career as a public defender, but um, 
Mostly I did drugs and DUI cases. Mostly were misdemeanor DUI and felony possession of drugs or possession with intent to distribute. So were you getting those cases mostly because you were still a new public defender or is there like specialization within the public defender system? I'd say there's not too much specialization, but you kind of get your own niche. There is specialization when it comes to capital cases when somebody's facing the death penalty. We have a whole group of public defenders in Georgia to handle that. You know, I was just new, so they were going to assign me easier cases, and I kind of kept with them. I did take to trial a really serious case towards the end of my career as a public defender, and he was found guilty, but it was reversed on appeal because the judge didn't let me put any of my evidence in, and now he's out of jail. So if you have an appeal, uh, is that something that you would argue yourself or are there specialists doing the appellate work? They have appellate attorneys or we do it ourselves. It all depends on if we have a conflict of interest. If they tried to say we were ineffective as counsel for them, we would have to give that to another circuit to handle or another appellate office to handle because we cannot we cannot raise on an issue on appeal our own ineffectiveness. It wouldn't be it'd be a conflict of interest. So a lot of times they do say that. So you push them out. Um, The appeal that was reversed my case was done by our office. I didn't do it because I had already left, but it was done by our office. So what were the biggest challenges you had as a as a public defender? Is it largely the workload or or what was it? I mean, I loved my clients. I felt so bad for most of them because they really didn't come from good situations. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't really have a chance in life. Most of them, you know, I mean, they'd come from bad home lives for the most part. The hardest part was the workload. It was a lot of work. I mean, you can put your heart and soul into it. It still isn't enough. You can, you could literally be doing something 24 hours a day for your cases. So when did you decide that you wanted to be a public defender? Is that something you came into law school knowing you wanted to do? Or how, how did that come about? Yes, I was seven years old. <laughs> My grandfather took me to court when I was seven because I told him I wanted to be a lawyer. And it was a criminal case. And it was in Kenton, Ohio, a small town in Ohio. And I didn't like the way the prosecutor was treating the the defendant. He was so rude and obnoxious and everything. And so afterwards, I decided I was going to be the defense attorney. That's a true story. All right. So, yeah. So you knew exactly what you wanted to do when you started law school, which is, I think, a pretty enviable place to be in. A lot of people are still figuring that out after graduation. Um, so what did you do in law school to help you prepare for this? Were there any specific classes that you took that really helped out or uh, you know, moot court, those types of things? Definitely. I was weird. I, I went and worked while I was in law school against, I was allowed to, they didn't say you couldn't, but they didn't advise it. But I worked for several DUI defense attorneys who taught me how to write motions and taught me how to appeal and helped me write a book on DUI law. So I did. I worked and and I was in court all the time with those guys and everything. They were good friends of mine. And so did you find that really helped you out when you started practicing sort of? Oh, definitely. I would not have known what emotion was if they didn't help me. I would have been like, do I supposed to move? I don't know what it is because they don't teach you that in law school. They might do a little bit of that, but I, I would not have known. And I knew it like how to do a criminal trial when I got out of law school because of them. Um, my commencement speaker at NYU said that uh, her first day in court, she didn't know which side to go to. She had to uh, yeah. ask the bailiff which side to stand on. I've been there. <laughs> it changes all the time. Right. So is there any sort of formalized training or mentorships for people who didn't have the same experience that you did? They had some good training in Georgia when they started the Public Defender Sta- Standards Council. Mm-hmm. 
And I'll tell you, um, we had probably the best public defender trainer in the nation who that movie Gideon's Army surrounded around, John Rapping. He was my trainer. He was awesome. Loved him to death. And, you know, they didn't have the money for it anymore. So they did away with most of the training. They still have a little bit of training. But my training was extensive. When I got there at a lucky time, my training was extensive and very good. It's not the same anymore because of the money situation. So what was your training like? Was it like being in law school or was it a lot of, you know, practicing arguments or it was like practicing go? arguments and stuff like that? Kind of practicing cross-examination, practicing direct examination, practicing opening, practicing closing, stuff like that. About how long did that go for? I think it it was like, it was over a week. I think it was about two weeks, maybe a, a week to two weeks. Okay. So sort of a uh, criminal defense boot camp. It was very intensive. It was very intense. Yes. I want to talk about now why you decided to leave uh, the public defender's office. You said you were there for about six years? Yeah, about six. So what happened? Well, um, I just, my parents had a big part in it. They They were getting older and they live in North Carolina. And I was only licensed in Georgia. And they kind of wanted me to maybe consider moving back to North Carolina. So I was going to take the North Carolina bar and go to work as a defense attorney here. But it just didn't work out like that. So it had a lot to do with my family and friends who were in North Carolina. And then I was going to take North Carolina bar and maybe get a job as a public defender. But it just didn't fall into place that way. Did you notice if there was much of an attrition rate among your fellow public defenders? Is there a lot of burnout in the field? Or is it mostly something that people stay with long term? It's about half and half, I would say. A lot stay a long time, a lot burn out and leave, a lot, um, you know, there's not much upward mobility being a public defender. You do get a lot of courtroom experience, which a lot of firms really like. So I'm not telling you there's not mobility to go to a different place. But if you want to stay a public defender, the only other choice you have is maybe becoming a circuit public defender, which would have been my boss at the public defender's office. But there's only a few of those in the whole state. You know, there's probably what, however many circuits there are, there's that many circuit public defenders. And I think it's like, what, 50, something like that. So what is a circuit public defender? Well, he runs the whole office, the whole public defender's office for a circuit. A circuit's usually comprised of about three counties in the state. And he runs the whole office for those three counties. So is that more of a managerial position or is he still doing you know, normal legal practice also? It's supposed to be more managerial, but it didn't work out like that because our caseloads are too big. He has to jump into the trenches and do it. It was supposed to. It didn't work out that way. It was supposed to be managerial. So you're working as a journalist now. Can you tell our listeners a bit about what you're doing in that capacity? I am currently a journalist with North Carolina Lawyers Weekly and South Carolina Lawyers Weekly. We write articles on every aspect of the law, criminal, civil, and we publish our paper every week. And we have all the case law opinions from North and South Carolina that have come out of the appellate courts digested in that paper. Most states have one of these papers. It's the paper that the lawyers get to read the recent cases and to get other news. So that's what I'm doing right now. Okay, so the audience is primarily other lawyers. It's not really something that's aimed at the general public. It's primarily lawyers, yes. Okay. 
And so how did you make the transition into journalism? I love to write as a public defender. That was one of my favorite things to do was writing and arguing motions. I love to do it. And I love to write winning motions and argue them. And so, you know, I thought I saw this job. I wasn't, I mean, you know, other law, lawyers will be able to tell you this. I wasn't thrilled about taking a bar exam again. So mm -hmm. I saw this job come up and I applied for it thinking I don't really have much of a shot because I don't have any journalism experience, but I just got farther and farther into the interview process. It was a long, long interview, but they, you know, my boss is great. That's Amber Nimix and she does a great job and it's just really a, a great career to have. I mean, writing about the law, being a lawyer, I knew a little bit about it coming in and, you know, it's really a lot of fun to write about it and talk to different attorneys, big law firms, small law firms. So what's the workload like now? As a journalist, it's not um, it's not the same as being a public defender, but it can get it gets, you know, there's deadlines and you have to reach them. It, you know, it, I think it has a lot to do with that. My boss is very calm. So, um, you know, you don't feel stressed or anything. So you don't feel like the workload's undoable. It's more like you put one thing down and you pick the next thing up instead of doing everything at once like a public defender. Do you think this is the type of position where you could stay long term? I love it. I do love it. I'm not saying that I'll be doing this forever, but right now I love it. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun. You you get to meet all the lawyers in the area. They all call you and tell you about their latest legal news. I think that not criminal law, but with civil law, I've learned more about civil law since I've started this job six months ago than I've learned in my whole career. Because I've been doing a lot of civil law cases, a lot of, you know, reading um, civil cases. And, you know, I've just learned a lot of facts about the law. Probably get to have nicer relationships with the lawyers, too, since you're never on the uh, the opposite side of them. Yeah, it's, it's always friendly interactions with them as opposed to going to trial. That's a great point and definitely a lot better. Definitely a good point. I mean, I say that to my parents. I say that all the time. I was like, it's amazing how nice these lawyers are to me now. Is there anything that you uh, you wish you knew before you started either career? Things that you know caused rookie mistakes? Well, I'm always getting told that I'm too much of a legal writer. I need to learn how to be more conversational. So I wish I was more conversational writer, but they're working with me and it's going well. Um, I think that how sad it was before being a public defender, how many people rely on the public defender and how sad that they have lived through the life that they have lived through. It's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, you can't really judge these people till you know what they've been through in their whole entire life. So I just have one last question before we uh, wrap it up. And I wanted to know if there's anything you knew when you were in law school, which turned out you're completely wrong about. I thought I'd be in court, you know, like every day doing trials. And I thought the judges, and I loved my judges that I work for, don't get me wrong, but I thought they would know the law. <laughs> and a lot of them do not know anything about the law. And they're up there ruling because they're elected. So they get elected on their personalities, but they have they don't know the law. It's really scary to be making an argument in front of a judge when you know you're right. And he just completely just doesn't understand because he doesn't hasn't read up on it. And, you know, I guess that's what the Court of Appeals is for. I thought judges would be the absolute knowledge make people of the law, but they're not. Some are, some aren't. I just didn't know about, I didn't know there'd be so much inconsistency in sentences. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, in Atlanta, you'd get probation for having a certain drug. You know, you'd get maybe two years of probation. Whereas where I was at in Thomaston, Georgia, this small rural town about two hours south of Atlanta, you'd probably get two to five years in prison. Wow. For the same thing in Atlanta, you'd get probation for. That's not fair. I'd have so many clients come down there and tell me in Thomaston, well, in Atlanta, I'd get like a year of probation for this. And why are they wanting 10 years in prison? 
I, you know, and you know, my boss always said, you're not in Atlanta anymore. I Am The Law is a Law Hub production. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this show in your favorite podcast app. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Blueprint LSAT Test Prep. Thank you also to our other sponsors, LSAT Lab, Seton Hall University School of Law, Vermont Law and Graduate School, and Baylor Law.